Welcome to Mike Ferry Strategies, the official MFO podcast. Hear from Mike Ferry himself, or maybe one of his speakers, possibly one of his top coaches, and even top producers from around North America. Agents, each week you will learn how to increase your production to develop a successful mindset, make more money, and get the most out of the Mike Ferry sales system. This podcast is your portal to expert real estate training, helping you become a top producing agent. Let's get started. Thanks again all for tuning in. I, it's really such a treat that we're doing this superstar series with uh, the Mike Ferry organization. We've queued up this series of incredible superstars. And probably one of the most fun things that I get to do in the job that I have is talk to people that are on the street doing it, uh, doing it at a high level. And it's really my sincere pleasure today to introduce Whitney Dutton to to our time together. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. you know, Appreciate Whitney, it, Tony. Yeah, no, um, we, we've got this little superstar series going and it's, it's such a neat thing because we did another little series called Rising Stars. And it sure. was a bunch of agents newer to the Mike Perry system that have just shown that they're, they're climbing up the ladder. Well, I'm, I'm sure you, you, you're not thinking you're done yet by any means, but why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are, where you work, uh, what your production goals are for the year? For sure. Um, Whitney Dutton here out of sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So um, I focus on downtown Fort Lauderdale and the suburbs surrounding it. Um, I've been a part of Mike Ferry since 2016, the end. I was at the Hollywood retreat. I got invited by a friend. I was one of those guys sitting in the back of the room there, um, you know, leaving a little early uh, every day, if you remember. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, 2022, this will be six years now. So so six years. What is your transaction goal for this year? 125. Tony. Ah. That goes everywhere with me. 125. First of all, I love the visual that you've got it right there. 125. Yeah. What kind of income does that represent for you? Uh, that'll represent $2 million, um, because it will also include um, my two exclusive buyer agents who will put in another 70 on top of that. So we'll be, as a team, close to 200. Oh, okay. So 125 personal production for you and then 70 from two buyer's agents. Which yep. is 200 and it's about $2 million bucks in, in revenue for you. Yep. If you don't mind asking, how old are you, Whitney? 37 this year. 37, right? Yep. So as a 37, you haven't even hit 40 yet. As a 37-year-old uh, man and businessman in this world to hit that 2 million, that's why you're on the superstar status. Now, was yeah, it like that in 2016 when you joined us, though, was it? No. Um, so 2013, 14, 15, I'm an analytical, so these numbers are easy for me. <laughs> but 13, 14, 15, I was hovering anywhere between 220 and 240,000. I think um, 238 was kind of my number, my top number there for those those three years. And um, I kind of thought I was making pretty good money at the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, bills were paid and, you know, I was living a certain lifestyle that accepted that 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 number. And, um, you know, things were good. And I, I specifically remember being at the retreat and just meeting people with these numbers that I thought was just astronomical. And I, I didn't really see how it was possible until they kind of, you know, explained. And when you guys bring those, them up on stage and do those panels, it, it's so powerful. Um, it really got my, me thinking. Well, yeah. So the exposure to it, right? So what, what I heard in that is that you had this, this wasn't that long ago where you're in this two thirty, two hundred and forty thousand dollars a year earnings, which by the way, most of the real estate world would be thrilled if they could get in that spot. And but there was a significant jump really from in, in a short window of time to where you are today. 
What do you think was the spark that caused that? Yeah, I remember um, signing up for coaching um, that next, um, the next time we met, which was first quarter of 2017. Mm -hmm. And um, it was this sense of accountability and and just understanding, uh, you know what I felt, I felt like I was wasting some potential when I saw what these other people were, were producing at, you know, that were a part of Mike Ferry and, and the numbers that they were doing. And I thought to myself, I'm, I'm not even close to scraping, you know, the, the edge here of what, what could be done. And um, that really kind of lit a fire. So you think it was the exposure to people that you saw regular people? Yeah, I think it was the exposure. And I think it was the, by building a plan and, and by understanding that these guys are just like us and they, all they do is put a plan in place, execute it, and it produces X results. And um, obviously it's, it's, you learn it's more difficult than that, but um, just to make, to make half a million dollars a year when you follow the process is not hard by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I went to, I doubled my, my income my first year. Um, I went from 228 to like 410. Um, and then I did slow 20%. 30% growth from there, 542, 652 to 700 in 2020. And then um, 2021 was 1.8, just over 1.8 million. Wow. So that it was a major jump there. So you, yeah. you're, you're making 240 thinking this isn't bad money. I'm doing okay here. You get involved. You see the exposure of just regular people doing extraordinary things, which is what we do in Mike Ferry, right? Yep. And then you start seeing, they go, well, I'm leaving all this potential on the, on the back burner. And so let's create a plan to see to do what these other agents are doing. Yeah, and, and I think the exposure to also learning how they're living their lives, right? Um, I remember it was Valerie who I think she was home by four o'clock or three three thirty or four, and I may be off on that, but I'm pretty sure it was her. And um, I thought to myself, if you set it up that way, it can be done. And I have two young kids; I've got a four and a half year old and, and uh, a one year old. So it's like, man, spend more time with kids hearing about the vacation, you know, go on better vacations and really build a better life by just, you know, setting it up from the beginning. Wow. You know, it's a, and so seeing this lifestyle a bit, right? Yeah. And you're right. You're talking about Valerie Carroll, who you'd get home at two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon every day. Um, yep. And she just chose to do that to run her life. And so it's a little counterintuitive to what we hear in real estate. If you're going to make that kind of money, you got to be one of those 24 seven agents. How is that that you're able to pull it off without, you know, working 24 seven? I, I would never be able to do it without a coach. I think having a coach is probably the one thing that keeps you accountable to this schedule um, and, and really following through with with the measures. I mean, every, I, everyone talks about you can quit coaching and then you go in these laws. And it's true. You, you need someone there to hold you accountable. That's going to you know show you the results and, and track the progress with you. Um, and these coaches aren't just numbers. It's not just data. I mean, they help with mindset and the psychology behind it. And, and you know, it's it's a big part of, of how to produce at this level. Oh, it's so great. So tell me, give, give us all an example of, of your core basic daily schedule. What does that look like? Um, great question. So I'm up at five, um, work out, do some mindset stuff on a walk. I do a two mile walk in my neighborhood, listening to some stuff and just really preparing for the day. Um, I'm in the office by 8 a.m. on the phone and I do some role play and script work between eight and nine and then nine o'clock. I'm on the phones till 11 o'clock. Um, do some follow up between 11 and 12 and see what I missed from being on the phones. 
And then I take a lunch, a scheduled lunch with the past client or a COI four out of the five days um, as a thank you and just kind of, um, you know, talk to them about their goals and get a little more in depth with that because I'm going to eat anyway. So I always figure might as well eat with a lead generation, you know, set. So uh, and then I come back to the office and catch up on emails and phone calls again, talk to my two admins, make sure that everything's set for the rest of the day. And then um, I'll follow up on calls again or I'll hit some um, new listings that came on the market on my way home. So I'm trying to be home by four o'clock. Wow. So is it really that simple? I mean, uh, you know, I understand the consistency in it, but it is that simple to run a schedule like that day in and day out. You know, it's not until you can have the support. I think when I hired my first admin at 50 deals, um, that helped me get to 75. And then, you know, two buyer, I had a buyer's agent at 50 and then a, another buyer's agent at 100. And it's like, as long as you slowly organically grow and you don't try to just add five people at once and hire two assistants. And I tried to grow slow and I didn't really try to add any help until I needed it. But it's that, and that was help with Gay Lee, my coach, who's amazing. And um, we kind of built that pattern together of, okay, look, when you hit a certain level, we'll do this. And then that will help you get to this. And once you're, you know, if you're trying to do 125 deals and you have two admin, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a system. That's it. So it's, it's delegation, a pretty structured growth. But what it, I really like that you said you grew slowly. You didn't throw. Yeah. Up so we, yeah, we grew. I, I call it, I tell people all the time, uh, new agents, right? We grow organically. You don't need a bunch of buyer's agents. You don't need a bunch of assistance if you're trying to do 25 deals. Um, I see so many new people come into this industry with a little bit of vanity and they want to hire buyer's agents and call themselves a team and all this powerful stuff behind them. But it, it, if you can't do 40 deals, 50 deals by yourself, you shouldn't be hiring anybody, in my opinion. It's, it's, no, that's great advice. You know, uh, if Mike were with us today, he would say, you know, so often people want to throw a bunch of people in a, in a pot to look good but it has to be built on the back of personal production. And, you yep. know, Gailey mentioned something to me. She said, you have always maintained a high standard on your own personal production. Yes. Tell me a little bit about how you, how you do that. Um, I'm a big goal oriented guy. So with the business plans that we set, I just try to keep them in front of me um, at all times. If you see what I'm staring at on the other side of the screen, I mean, we can pan to it just to kind of see, give you an idea here. But that's what I stare at all day in the office, the numbers, some family stuff, some goal boards, you know. So um, I just keep that stuff in front of me every day. And, and by keeping your goals and your numbers in front of you, um, you know, it allows you to really stay focused on them and hold yourself. Like you said, the, the holding yourself accountable. If I text any one of my buyer's agents and we don't get a response with a card in 30 minutes, it's 25 bucks in the pot. Okay, so, good. So, you so have we some keep them with them. to measure against it, right? And I see that yeah. you got that card with 125 written on it, which is your personal side of the production. Now, is that pretty much all just listings taken based when you say 125? Is that listings or? Uh, it's going to be 85% will be listings taken. Okay, yeah. so the majority of what you do is uh, listings taken. Yeah. Right? Now, you, you're in a competitive spot, Fort Lauderdale market. That's, that's highly competitive. How many agents are there in your marketplace? Uh, great question. So we have, I think, a total of 55,000 agents in the Broward, Dade, um, Palm Beach counties there. Um, yeah, so it's it's really competitive. And, and in this market, we have a lot of um, uh, a lot of second home environments, people that don't live here full time that'll come down and get their license. And 
they'll transfer their license from Canada or Ohio or, you know, Boston where they live. So we have a lot of part-time agents. So a lot of part-timers, but 55,000 agents, that's a pretty big space, right? But yeah. um, in, in Fort Lauderdale, if you look at the primary circle where you work, how many transactions will take place in that marketplace? So there will be, well, that's only single family home, but single family home, the entire MLS will be in Fort Lauderdale, 157,000. Okay. So a, a, a pretty good volume there, but still this boatload of, of agents. What is your thought about how do you compete? Like, what have you done so that you can, can compete with so much competition at such a high level? Yeah, I've, I've found that um, the biggest thing that helps us stay competitive is the customer service we give throughout the transaction. So that's one of our biggest lead generators to date for our business. We do about 80%, um, 78% actually of um, past client and COI business. Okay. And it, it starts with giving that great customer service because you can call them in my, you know, once a quarter, but if you didn't give them that service from the beginning, you're going to have a harder time getting the referrals out of them. So with the past client and COIs that we call, it's based on, we get so many referrals from them because we really step up our service during the transaction. Um, and, and that's what really turns us, you know, repeat, repeat business. Okay. And so you've got this, the, the right mindset coming in that when you introduce yourself to a new client and you have them in the transaction, that the customer service during that window of time is so important for future business. Yeah, we pick up. So there's a few different sources we can get right from the beginning. So obviously the customer that you signed the listing agreement with, mm -hmm. you have the neighborhood around them that they'll hopefully tell about you. And then also we adopt, um, we, we also adopt the other buyer's agent as well. We get quite a few deals from buyer's agents that aren't listing oriented, um, that don't feel confident competing in a high competitive situation for, for listings. And we'll get referrals from them too. So we, we try to adopt all sides of the deal. And of course, their buyer. Ah, so you see this as a multi, you, you, you go out and you find a list, you get a listing. Mm -hmm. And then, so you see that client's business. You said you see the neighborhood business by just listed, just sold calls. Yeah. You see the business of it's a buyer's agent on the other side that maybe could send referrals. And then you ultimately adopt the buyer after this transaction okay. closed. So there's these multiple opportunities for business just from one transaction. Yeah. And I got that from actually, I remember listening to you at one of the production uh, three-day seminars that we went on down here locally. It was taking over that that other side of the business, and I I didn't do that at all. Adopting the other side, and and it was it, you can add two to three deals a month right there. Yeah, it's so great because that's you know you think about competing, and and they're just you know it's it's easy to recognize there's a lot of agents in most of our marketplaces, but mm -hmm. then just a few simple things, great customer service. Uh, exemplary follow-up and you can compete at a high level because the agents don't, right? Yeah. And, and if you think about it, if I didn't know that, I'm probably leaving at least 25 deals on the table a year simply by not 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 adopting that mindset. Mm -hmm. Well, you didn't start with a big, highly productive database. So how do you get to a spot where 80% of your business is coming from past client center influence? Yeah, so um I do a lot of a lot of social networking as well. I sit on some charity boards. Um and my personality wise, I try to always, when I'm talking to someone, can they be a COI? So I'm constantly thinking about when I have this 125 in my pocket, even if I'm meeting somebody or someone introduces to me, you know, I'm talking about real estate to them. And, you know, chances are, if we have a good relationship, I get a business card, I'm calling them once a quarter. Um, so so I, I, I'm consistently adding to my database. 
So your mindset is in the social world, sitting on some boards that you're constantly focused on, is this a good solid potential COI and should I add it and then, and then do my job with it? Yeah. Right. Describe what you do, like with across the course of a year, what do you do with this database that you put together? Um, again, so I, I do do social lunches. So I'll do one of those um, per, per day, usually four out of five. Um, on Fridays, I try to take two or three customers uh, out golfing on the afternoons. So from two to six o'clock, I have a standing tea time um, that I'll take people golfing. I'll introduce them to each other. And I try to be creative about it, about how who could do business with each other is kind of like a um, kind of a little lead referral uh, for some. And um, I just I'm consistently going out to dinners with my wife and I. So we entertain a lot, too. And um, we find a lot of business does get generated through that. and. and through all the COIs that we carry in the charitable board, a lot of the um, the boards we sit on. So we fundraise and, and for different boards as well and helps us meet a lot of people. And so we, we like doing that and we might as well get leads from it as well. Excellent. So you've done a great job of combining the social aspect of your life and business together that you, you know, it grows. Do you have consistent things and you have email campaigns and video campaigns and mail out? Yeah, we don't have any videos. So we do a just listed, just sold email database call or um, email database. Uh, every time when a listing comes on the market, it goes out. Every time one sells, it goes out. And then we also do some um, holiday stuff. But in reality, it, it's it's the phone calls and the, the hand. We do a lot of handwritten notes too. Mm -hmm. um, birthdays. Um, anniversaries, um, all that, all that stuff we do with our COIs as well. Excellent. So, you know, in the system and, and in this short amount of time, um, I always like to check in with somebody because you've adopted so much of the Mike Ferry sales system into what you do. Um, but just on the flip side of the coin, what is one part of our system that you struggle with? The biggest thing, no doubt, is, is adopting five lead sources. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 pretty much the hardest. Um, I'm on a group Zoom campaign every morning from nine to eleven, and everybody's calling. And um, I don't do a lot of for sale by owner expired. So, I mean, no, not shy about it. I don't do any. And okay. um, it's it's something that's probably holding me back from doing two hundred personal deals a year. And um, I'm in the office anyway. I need to adopt them. Gailey and I are working on it. But but adopting the five lead sources as opposed to the um, past client, the COIs, just listed, just sold. Those are my, th those are my biggest ones. Mm -hmm. And, um, I need to add more. Ah, so yeah. So this is not uncommon with agents that are listening in, that are in coaching, that are involved. We, you know, we want to have you have multiple sources of business yep. and, and it's to cover market swings and different things that fluctuate to make sure you're protected in all aspects. So you've got really three brought in really well, past client center of influence and just listed, just sold. But really where you are looking to expand and grow to that next level would be adding a couple sources. Yes, I need to add uh, for sale by owner and expireds. And I've, I've let myself off on that because there hasn't been a lot of them. Um, the expireds have been slim. So I've, I've told myself that, you know, don't need to add it yet because there's not a lot of them. And for sale by owners, kind of the same thing. Um, but it's I, I, can, I can feel it in the market now that I um, the, the listings are not coming in at the same level through my three sources as they were last year. So I simply have to add them. And I told Gailey, if, if my numbers slip and I don't hit, I'm, I'm adding them. I did yeah. two hours last week. So, it, Well, it's interesting because you really started with, how long have you been licensed? I've been licensed since uh, 2012 and practicing in 13. 
So we start practicing 13, run into us in 16, right? So yeah. really you think about it that you've been, your business has been built in an upward swinging market the whole time, hasn't it? Yes. Like we started recovering, we like we hit bottom in 11, right? That 10, 11, yep. right? started to recover, rebound in 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, right? All the way through. So your career pretty much has been like most agents uh, haven't been around in a long, long time. Their career has been built in this upswinging market the whole time, right? So yep. you can appreciate that there will be expireds and, and for sale by owners that don't sell at some point in your career, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that's totally true. When I moved here in 2008, I was in the commercial field doing property management and leasing. And that's actually what really started my database was this huge amount of contacts I had from business owners from the commercial leasing field. And um, from when they started buying a lot of foreclosures is when I jumped over to the residential side in 2013. And like you said, it's been really increasing ever since. Boy, the sky's the limit. You had a couple more sources, and we are talking about two hundred in your own personal production, and yeah, and uh, the sky's the limit then, right? right? Yeah. So what you know, as we wrap up our time, I could we could spend hours with this stuff. It's just this is really the one of my favorite parts of this job. Um, what advice would you give to anybody that's decided to tune in with us in this in this little podcast? Um, I think it's the same advice that I give everyone: is to really remove the ego from your business. Um, real estate, at least in South Florida, is an extremely vain industry. And it, it really holds you back so much, even from the beginning, because at the beginning, if you're a newer agent, you just don't, you don't have a lot of confidence and, and there's not a lot of people here to support you. And you want to, don't want to admit that you need help. So that was one of the big things that I had to work on was admitting that I needed help, removing my ego from the business. Um, and really just looking at it as, as what if I was the chairman looking at this guy's production, what would he do? And is he, is he living efficient? Well, I think that's great advice. Well, if we, that's not just in South Florida, um, anywhere in the world, if we could get agents to just remove their ego from the business yeah. and treat it like a business, it'd be, uh, be phenomenal for their pocketbooks for sure. Well, thank you. You know, uh, time goes fast in these things. Whitney, I, you know, I can't thank you enough for spending a little time with me. And I'm sure everyone that's tuned into us is going to appreciate your message. So thanks for your time. Thanks so much, Tony. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Join us next Friday for another episode of Mike Ferry Strategies. If you like our show, visit our website at www.mikeferry.com. And don't forget to check out the Mike Ferry TV podcast every Monday for new messages from Mike Ferry himself.